Naqueles dias, nang panahong iyon, por aqueles dias, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Este foi o primeiro recenseamento feito quando Quirino era governador da Síria. Kaya't umuwi ang mga tao sa sarili nilang bayan upang magpadala. También José, que era descendiente del rey David, subió de Nazaret, ciudad de Galilea, a Judea. Fue a Belén, la ciudad de David. Kasama rin niyang umuwi upang magpadala si Maria na kanyang magiging asawa na noon ay nagdadalang tao. Enquanto estavam lá, chegou o tempo de nascer o bebê. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Welcome, everybody. I am so glad that you are here. What are you hoping to see underneath the tree Christmas 2022? What would be a great gift for you? What would be an awesome gift? I can tell you something. When this little baby doll was given, the person who received it at that time, this was the greatest gift that they ever received. We'll come back to this baby doll in a little bit. Have you ever been given a really bad gift? A gift like, what am I going to do with this? And the look on your face was, oh, thank you so much. But inside you're like, what in the world am I going to do with this? What about those gifts that have like a ulterior negative message to them? Just kind of get slipped. Have you ever been given a gift like that? Like, there's a guy, he was dating a girl, and he said that the girl's mother bought him tire cleaner for his car. He didn't own a car. There was a message there. Stop asking my daughter to pick you up in her car. Get out there and get your own car, right? A woman said her boyfriend got her this awesome fishing knife as a gift on Christmas. She doesn't fish. They're no longer together. How about this one? A guy got his wife for their very first Christmas ever a vacuum cleaner. A vacuum cleaner, everybody. That was Terrible. Like, that gift sucked. It was terrible, right? That guy, he was so close. Right? It was a terrible gift, but he was so close to being a great gift. If he just would have walked a little farther down the aisle in the store, or if he would have clicked just a little bit more, he could have got a Roomba. And that would have been a home run, but he didn't. He absolutely blew it. Those are not great gifts. What makes Jesus Christ the greatest gift of all? I mean, like, What is it about Jesus that makes him the greatest gift of all? Why is that? Why is Jesus the greatest gift of all? You know, one of the things about Steve Jobs, right? Famous, Apple famous, right? One of the things about him that's widely known is he would say, never ask customers what they want. He was big on that. 
so strange because everybody wants to know what the customer's king. What does your customer want? But he said, no, we don't care what the customer wants. We have to create what the customer needs. Now, he was a genius at figuring that out. Right? The iPod and the iPhone and all of these things that he did. But create what the customer needs? You know, sometimes what we need is really obvious. It's a great gift. I really need this. And then sometimes somebody gives us a gift and we didn't even know we needed it. And yet we really do. It's like, oh my gosh, I really need this. And I didn't know that. Is there something to that in Jesus? Is Jesus bringing us something that we really need, but maybe it's not readily accessible to us that we actually need this thing? Now, I want you to think about this in Jesus. This is what is so crazy amazing about Jesus. He is the most influential person in the history of the entire world. He's the greatest leader and he has the most followers. You know what is said about the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus? It is said this, he is the divine savior who brought peace. Isn't that interesting? Same thing said about Jesus, the divine savior who brought peace. How many people are followers of the Roman emperor today? Zero. Rome no longer exists. And yet Jesus, what is so amazing about Jesus is he has the most followers. He has the most influence of any person ever in the history of the world. More has been said about Jesus. More has been written about Jesus. Jesus has been painted more than any other person in the history of the world. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life.
Isn't that an amazing poem, One Solitary Life? Think about it. Jesus split time in two. Whether you call it B.C. and A.D. or you call it B.C.E. and C.E., what stands in the middle is Jesus Christ. He is so powerful, so influential. He literally split time into all of our birthdays. We measure from the life of Jesus Christ because he split time in two. Now, what is it about Jesus that makes him so influential? Like, shout out, type it in, or shout to a screen in front of you or whatever. Just be a little interactive here for a moment. Just think with me. What is it about Jesus that made him so powerful? Is it his love? I mean, he's known for being so loving. Forgiveness. He's known for being so forgiving. What do you think it is? What is it about Jesus that has made him so radically influential, the most influential person in the history of the world? He's accepting uh, his healing, his miracles, his walking on water. What is it? What is it about Jesus Christ? His words, his wisdom, his truth. What is it? Now think about this. On Christmas, on that night of nights, when Jesus Christ was born and the angels showed up in peace on earth, goodwill to men, that night that rocked the world and the world will never be the same, he offered none of that. Zero. Nothing. He only offered one thing to us and one thing alone. Jesus couldn't even walk. He couldn't talk the night he was born. He couldn't do that for years. The only thing that Jesus offered us on that day, that day of all days, Christmas, was vulnerability. That is the one thing he offered. Vulnerability is the one ability all of us must have in order to thrive. We're not interested in just surviving. We're interested in thriving. And so is God. God wants you to thrive. Being vulnerable is where life begins. It is the foundation of life. You have to have it. You have to have it without exception in order to live the life that you and I truly want to live. Now, what does it mean to be vulnerable? It means Jesus could be hurt. He could get hurt. Now, I want to show you something. This baby right here is named Krista Lee. It is my daughter, Gracie's baby, named after her mother, my wife, Krista Lee. It's her favorite baby. She cuddled and snuggled and held tightly this baby for so many years. She It's her favorite baby to this day. There was a problem. Recently, there was a problem. We let a devil loose within our home. An evil creature who came and bit on and bit off these beautiful little fingers of Krista Lee. Now, I want to show you a picture of that devil. There it is. Chloe Bell. Now, when Krista was talking to me about getting this dog, I had my reservations. Serious reservations. We could get hurt. We could get hurt. Things could get hurt. And sure enough, something did get hurt. Krista Lee. But we have to be vulnerable in order to experience such deep love. Now, what is it, everybody? Let me put Krista Lee away. What is it about human babies that are unique amongst all the babies in the world? Look, they are vulnerable for years. I mean, years they're vulnerable. 
Look at horses. Horses are almost born running. Or baby sea turtles. Man, they just sprint off into the ocean. I mean, all the other babies in the world, they might be vulnerable for a very, very short amount of time, but not human babies. Human babies are vulnerable for years. Jesus wasn't walking or talking right away for years. He's totally vulnerable to the entire world. Jesus was saying, I'm offering you one thing and nothing else on Christmas, the night that rocks the entire world. And that is the need to be vulnerable as an example to all of us. That vulnerability is the foundation of life. And without exception, you cannot thrive in this life unless you are vulnerable. Now, listen, you have to be smart with your vulnerability. You can't just run out there and be vulnerable to the whole world. No, the Bible calls that foolishness. You have to be very careful about who you are vulnerable to, but you're going to have to be vulnerable because it is the very foundation to a thriving life. Vulnerability is the foundation of life, and that is what Christmas is all about. A little baby who is vulnerable. Now, what happens to a person who cannot be vulnerable? They are lonelier than anyone should ever be. They are more anxious. They are more ashamed. They are farther away from love and joy and peace and contentment than is healthy for anyone to ever experience. Vulnerability is the one thing, the only thing that Jesus offers us on Christmas Day because vulnerability is where life begins. Now, vulnerability is hard for all people, but it's particularly hard for Washingtonians. High security clearance, well-guarded Washingtonians. It's really, really difficult. You know what's unique about this city? What is unique about Washington, D.C.? It is the loneliest city in the United States of America. Why? You think about it. Arlington County is the smartest county in America. We have more advanced degrees per capita than any other place in the United States of America. Alexandria is the best read. The DMV area has five of the 10 richest counties in America. Think of all we have. Smarts, well-read, well-studied, lots of money. And yet we also lead the country in loneliness. It's because we, for some reason, and maybe it's the culture of this city, we struggle with being vulnerable. It's not necessarily the first gift that we think we need. Remember Steve Jobs from the beginning? Create what they need. God created exactly what we needed the most. A baby named Jesus Christ. And babies, human babies, particularly, uniquely, are vulnerable. It's the only thing he offers us on Christmas Day. And he's saying to us, if you will be vulnerable, you can, because it's the foundation of all life, you can begin to curb your loneliness, curb your anxiety, curb your discontentment and frustration with life because life begins when we are vulnerable. I want you to think about this. Just 150 years ago, everybody, the best science that we had said this about children. Do not pick up a crying baby. Babies only need milk, food, clothing, the basics of protection. All they need to do is to survive. Don't pick up a crying baby. One of the leading scientists of the day, John Watson, said this about mothers. Mothers are too loving. They're too caring. They're too affectionate. They like to cuddle. They like to snuggle. They like to just 
pour their love and affection and patience on the baby. And he said this about them. They're a dangerous instrument because that is going to create weak children and weak, pathetic adults. We don't need that. How, everybody? This is the question we ask ourselves here on Christmas Day. How could the best science been so wrong? Because everything we know today is says the exact opposite, that we need love, we need affection, we need attention, we need to be held, we need to be cuddled, we need to be snuggled. That if we don't get that, actually we will turn into weak, discontented, frustrated, anxious, lonely Children and adults, we need emotional bonds. We need to be loved. And in order to have an emotional bond, you got to be vulnerable because life begins with vulnerability. That's where it all starts. So the best science of the day said, don't hold your kids, don't cuddle, don't snuggle with your kids. Spend as little time with them as possible. The wealthiest of people would send their children off to boarding school as young as the age of seven. And what our question is today is, is how did the best science of its day get it so wrong? And it wasn't that long ago, because now what we know, the complete opposite actually is true. Like, if you want to have well-adjusted, like, independent, content children, then you need to love on them and bond with them and be there for them and hold them and cuddle them and snuggle with them and all of those things. What happens when a child is not loved on like that? The thought was, is that if you were hands-off on your children, right, then you would create strong, independent kids. What we know now is that's the way to create dependent, anxious, frustrated, discontented children. And what we call it is a failure to thrive. Failure to thrive. Now, God wants your 2023 for that year for you to thrive more than you ever had before. I want that for you too. And there's only one way that it's going to happen. It's got to start with the foundation of vulnerability. Not being foolish, but with wisdom, through the guidance of God's word, through the wisdom of Jesus Christ, to be vulnerable, to take your guard down and to be vulnerable. Don't suffer from failure to thrive. You don't have to. You don't have to. And this is the one thing, the only thing that Jesus Christ offers us on Christmas Day. And we should really, really pay attention to that. Well, today is Grace Community Church's 22nd birthday. We started on Christmas Eve of the year 2000. And I've told this story so many times about where we began because, you know, we have been a set up, tear down, portable church, however you want to call it. We've been that for a long, long time. And I've talked to so many pastors like, hey, what's getting ready to happen to us? We first, for the first time ever, are going to have our very own permanent facility. And they said, John, you're about ready to become the pastor of a real church. And you are about to become a real pastor. Well, fantastic. After all these years, I'm finally becoming a real pastor. But listen, we began at Liberty Tavern Restaurant 
in Clarendon, Virginia. You can see it on the screen right there. That's where it all began. And we were there a short amount of time. And I've told the funny story. It used to be this broken down old Mason's Lodge, dusty and rusty and all of these things. And you couldn't come in the front door and you had to come in the side door. And they didn't tell us this. Of course, we were getting the place for free. So why should they tell us anything? They had ripped all the toilets out and they lined the toilets up in the hallway where you enter in. And my wife, who loves to decorate, got some red poinsettias and she put them down in that toilet bowl. We had about the... Uh, most miserable start of any church in the history of the world, right? So it was such a humble beginning. But that's not really where it started for me. Where it started for me was this really big decision I had to make. I had been hurt so much as as a pastor, being on the staff of a church as a pastor, as an associate pastor, as a youth pastor. That before Grace Community Church began, there was no plan for it to begin. I I just taken some time. I was praying, God, what do you want me to do next? Because I was just coming off of being hurt so badly by a church experience. I said, God, I'll never be a pastor again. But whatever else you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm just not going to ever work for a church again. And God just whispered that to me to try it again. And so where this journey began for me was that ability to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is the one ability that I absolutely had to have. I had to risk being hurt like Jesus on Christmas. I had to risk. How about you? Do you have to risk being hurt? What's the error in your life? All of, all of us have to risk that at some place. And I just want you to think about this for a moment. Grace Community Church has been the most fulfilling, like the best people I know, the best friends I have, the most meaningful part of my life, the most purpose-filled part of my life, the most contented part of my life, the most inspiring part of my life is all about Grace Community Church. And I was right on that edge of not doing it. And what stood in between was, did I have the ability for vulnerability? That was all of it. Because if I could be vulnerable, right? Life begins when you're vulnerable. If I could be vulnerable, all of that led to everything I just mentioned. All of that. It'll be the same for you. Now you'll have to act with wisdom. I mean, the people that were part of grace, that foundational uh, crew, so to speak, part of grace were great people. They were awesome people. They were good people. So it wasn't like I just diving off in off a cliff into the deep end of the pool or however you want to say it. Uh, with people that I couldn't trust. I mean, I had a good group of people, a great group of people, excellent group of people around me. So it wasn't for foolishness, but still I had to answer that question. Would I, in Washington, D.C., a highly guarded culture that I've lived in my whole life, was I willing to be vulnerable? Because that is the path, the foundation, without exception, without exception, for a thrilling, thriving life. So I said yes 22 years ago. I said yes to being vulnerable. And now here I am. I'm sharing this moment with you. And I'm sharing all the joys of 22 years, the really the best years of my life. This has been wonderful. And I can't wait for the next 22. I want to ask you, where do you need to be vulnerable? How do you need to learn from Christmas 2022 that'll put your life in a so much, so much better trajectory? We will always be challenged with vulnerability. I'm praying for you. 
that with wisdom you will choose very wisely, but vulnerability will have to be at the foundation of all of your decisions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody that's been a part of this service. God, you have great things on the horizon, great things on the horizon. But in order to experience them, God, we will have to be vulnerable. There are those listening right now. They're thinking about friends. They're thinking about marriage. They're thinking about dating. They're thinking about family. They're thinking about a number of things. Will I be vulnerable with this person? God, give us wisdom to know where to say yes, where to say no. But all of us at some point are going to have to be vulnerable in order to experience the thrill of hope of Christmas 2022. So help us, Lord, with that. In Christ's name, amen.